This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. new dish bowl. Listen, it's not about being selfish. Amen. I mean, God's the most wealthy person in the universe, and he's certainly not selfish. (laughs) Amen. I mean, you know how much money it would take to feed all the birds just one day on the planet? It would bankrupt Amazon. God's got got some wealth. And he wants his people to have it so we can share and be rich in good works. Amen. So we're talking about our series is living the good life. Boy, no uh, good American, you know, we got the American dream, don't we? We want to live that good life. You know, when we talked about that the American dream sometimes gets corrupted though, doesn't it? That living the good life means... Uh, you know, how much wealth I can accumulate, how much stuff I can accumulate. You say, well, Pastor Norris, you sound like you're contradicting yourself. You said God wanted to prosper and bless us, and now you're saying that, that the good life is not about money. That's exactly right. See, I'm, I'm here to help straighten out your thinking. You can have all kind of money and still be bankrupt in your relationships. You can still not know God. You can still not have peace with God and forgiveness of sins and heaven as your home. And you still can uh, have all kinds of things accumulated, but yet not be a generous person. You can be somebody that's keeping it all for yourself. See, God doesn't care if you have money. He just don't want money to have you. Amen? And, and, you know, uh, we need to master our money. But that's another topic. We're talking about living the good life. What is the good life? Well, we talked last week. I'll just reiterate this just for a moment. We said that it starts by what? Having a relationship with God. It's having an ongoing experience with God. Nothing will, will keep you in the, the, the center of the road. Nothing will keep you on the narrow road. Nothing will keep you uh, from, even though if you stumble, you get back up except a relationship with God. And it needs to be not just a one-time thing, you know, praise God, you know, we all that are believers, we have a testimony, and that's good. It's good to have a testimony. It's good to remember your testimony. And I'm so glad what God did for me uh, 43 years ago, but I sure am glad that's not all He's done. That He's still alive. He's working. He's teaching. He's guiding me. He's encouraging me every day. And you can have that same experience. And that's where the good life begins. If we don't have that, we are bankrupt. I don't care how much stuff you got. You can have more degrees than a thermometer. It doesn't matter. And there's nothing wrong with education. I'm all for education as long as you're educated in God too. Amen. You know, God doesn't bless ignorance. Are you listening to me? A lot of times the enemy takes advantage of our ignorance, doesn't he? So we're talking about living the good life. And today, we're going to build on that and talk about out of that experience of, and relationship of knowing God is that we have a life of purpose. A life of purpose. I talk about purpose a lot, maybe, maybe because this has been a real quest for me all my life. 
When I got saved uh, 43 years ago, immediately, I don't know why, just, just the Spirit of God, but immediately I had this sense in me that, I, that God had a purpose for me. Now, I didn't have a clue what it was. I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how to, I didn't know any of that. But something inside of me came into me and said, you know what, there's, there's a purpose for my life. It's got to be more than just paying off a mortgage and, you know, and, and paying off a vehicle and, you know, and all that. And nothing wrong with all that. That's good. But there's got to be more to life than just stuff. There was a purpose. There was a sense of purpose that came into me. And it starts with this. And I, I believe it with all my heart is that, first of all, we have to understand that I am significant. You are significant. Come on. Traditional Christianity, religion Christianity, and not biblical Christianity, but traditional Christianity has wanted to downplay man because of the fall. That we are just sinners, well that's true. That, that we're no good and in, our, in ourselves, that's true. But what they failed to understand was that when God comes into my life, when I receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, and the Bible says I become a brand new creation in Christ Jesus, something incredible happened on the inside of us. We became brand new people. The life of God, the presence of God came into my life, came into your life, and it changed everything. It changed my destination. It changed my relationship with God. It changed my inheritance. It changed my future. It changed my now. And it changed my purpose. And God has a purpose. And it starts by you realizing this, that you are significant. You ever, you ever, you ever had the devil come try to condemn you? Am I the only one? You know, he always wants to tell you, you're no good. You don't measure up. You're not going to make it. God don't like you. You better get it together. It's always something condemning, isn't it? Because he wants to steal from you your significance. Because if he can steal your significance, he can keep you from pursuing and accomplishing your purpose. In Genesis, we are significant. Number one, because what? We're created by God. Say this. Say, I'm God's creation. creation. Say it one more time. You know, you need to remind yourself because the devil and the worlds are sure going to tell you the other stuff, aren't they? You need to remind yourself. First, I'm significant. We're significant. Why? Because what? I'm God's creation. We know this, but let's read it. It says, uh, verse 26, God said, let us... Well, my pages are sticking together. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Wow. We're made in the image of God. The Bible says God is a spirit. And so we are, in God's image, a spirit being. You are a spirit being. You are God's creation. That makes you significant. Wow. You know, some people say, you know, well, you know, I'm, I, you know I, I'm born to such and such a family. It might be a royal family. It may be a wealthy family or something like that. And as soon as we hear that name and that connection to that family, I mean, you know, we, uh, wow. And then there's some like me, you hear my name, say, oh, big deal. <laughs> Who are you? But see, we need to understand we are God's creation. 
Say that one more time with me. I am God's creation. That makes you significant. You're made in the image of God. You're not some inferior piece of junk. Now notice the second reason we're significant is God created us to govern. Notice what he said. So that they may rule. Say, God's called me to rule. It starts with your life. Under God, you're called to be the governor, the ruler of your domain. Amen? Absolutely. He says we're called to govern. You can, by the help of God's grace and God's spirit and God's word, you can rule and govern under God your life. That rule and government, is, it's, its very core is found in God giving you the ability to choose. Come on. I choose life. I choose God. I choose to follow faith. I choose to walk in love. I choose to forgive. Amen. I choose to exercise my covenant rights by the blood of Jesus. I choose to pray. I choose not to doubt. Come on. Yeah, but you don't know how I feel. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you what, if you let feelings rule your life, up, down, up, down, up, down. No, it's a choice that we make. So we are significant. One of the reasons we can, we can know we have a purpose, we're significant because God created us and he called us to rule. Let's look over in Psalm 8. The psalmist said this as well. Psalm 8, he said, verse 3, he said, when I consider your heavens, you ever considered the heavens? The work of your fingers. Wow. It didn't even take God's hands or God's arms. He said he just did that just with his fingers. Wow, can you imagine if he used his arm? (laughs) Wow. The moon and the stars which you have set in place. You know, there's billions of galaxies, they tell us, with billions of stars. God did it all just with his fingers. He can probably pay the rent. (laughs) Notice he said... When I consider how great you are, God, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Notice it says, I am significant because what? God's mind is full of his creation. God's, see, see some people, uh, you know, uh, they have the idea, you know, that, uh, you know, that God created everything, but then he just went off and left it to run like an auto, you know, some kind of automation or something. Like some kind of machinery. No, it says here, he says, God is mindful of his creation. You are on God's mind right now. You are in God's thoughts right now. That makes you significant. Thank you. Man, you talk about a name dropper. You know, people say, you know, I was hanging out, you know, Jay-Z or whoever, you know. But you know, I tell people, man, I was hanging out with God the other day. Me and Jesus was talking about, you know, you ought to start being a name dropper too. Other people do it. Amen. Man, I'm hanging, you're hanging out with the most high. (laughs) The name above every name. He said that you are mindful of human beings, that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers. 
over the works of your hands. God has made you to rule. You ever felt like at times, I have felt like at times that you were just, you know, you were just being overwhelmed by circumstances beyond your control, that your problems were so big, that your needs were so great, that this stuff, I mean, it's like a, you felt like it was a tsunami coming over you. Boy, I'm telling you, times like that, you don't feel like you're ruling, do you? But you know what? What did Jesus do when he was faced with the wind and the waves? Anybody know? Did he get down in the lower part of the boat and say, Oh, I don't know why this is happening. I'm trying to do what God told me to do. He told me to go across this sea and now this has happened. Oh, No. The Bible says, you know, he got right out there, right out on the edge of the boat. And spoke to the wind and the waves. Didn't he? Peace be still. He didn't whine to the waves. He ruled. And here's the thing. When fears and doubts, the circumstances of life come at you, God didn't make you to just lay down and let them run over you. He made you to be a ruler. You stand up and in the name of Jesus, take God's word, and you begin to speak to the wind and the waves. God has given you a backbone. It's called the Holy Ghost. Hey man, he's never intimidated. You're created by God for God and you're created to govern. Now finding our purpose, we said that it starts with knowing God. Jesus said this in John 17. Let me read this to you. John 17, he said, verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you. This is eternal, that they know you. We need to know our God. We need to have an ongoing, uh, personal relationship. I mean, it needs to be every day, every day, every day and night. I mean, I am aware of the presence of God. I'm walking with Him. He's walking with me. He's teaching. He's guiding me. He's strengthening me. He's encouraging me. His peace is keeping my heart and my mind. I have a relationship with God. Man, I'm telling you, when I go through stuff, I don't go by myself. When I'm facing something, I don't face it by myself. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. So he said, this is eternal life to know God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So it starts with knowing God. If we're going to find our purpose, we've got to know God. Otherwise, you're never going to find your purpose. Now, you may go off and accomplish some stuff. You may build a business. You may build a name for yourself. You may uh, become very famous. You can do all kinds of things because what? You're made in the image of God. Somebody says, how come the, the wicked, these wicked people, these people that don't know God can do all these things? Because they are created in the image of God. Are you listening? And they're taking what they've been given and doing something. Well, if they can accomplish what they're doing without knowing God and without having God in their life, what should we, the people of God, be able to do knowing God and having Him present, directing, and guiding our lives? I think it's because we think too small. And I think traditionally, the, uh, the Christian religion, traditionally speaking, has been a part and parcel of that, of keeping us beat down. 
Don't expect much. Don't attempt much. Don't believe much. And you're not much. (laughs) Aren't you glad that you're saved? It is to know God. And it's also to reveal God to others. Now here's the thing. I can only reveal God to the extent that I know Him. Jesus said this, if the blind lead the blind, if the sick try to get the sick healed, if the poor try to raise the poor, if we're, if we're both broke, how am I going to help you? Come on. If I'm bound just like you're bound, how am I going to set you free? See, our purpose is to know God, and then if what? It's out of that relationship with God, that, that life-changing walk with God, we begin to reveal that God to others. You know, wherever Jesus went, he drew a crowd. Nobody had ever heard anybody speak like he spoke. Nobody had ever seen people see somebody do the miracles that he did. Nobody ever heard anybody pray the way he prayed, love the way he loved, forgive the way he forgave. I mean, nobody. Man, Jesus was like, wow. He was unique. Amen? But he wants to be unique in your life. Every one of us are different. We are unique. Like snowflakes. You know, they say, have you ever seen a big snow fall somewhere? Man, if you, anybody from up north? I know Cindy is. New York, some places like that, or, or the Midwest, or somewhere where you get a lot of snow. I mean, you can get, that. you might get six feet of snow. Did you know all those little bitty snowflakes that make up that huge quantity of snow? They say not two of them are alike. They are unique. You are unique. Say that, I am unique. Let that soak in a minute. And so when God works through you, there's going to be similarity, but also there's going to be uniqueness. Because all snowflakes, in a sense, look alike. Isn't that right? They all, they're all white. They all are formed the same way and created the same way. But there's uniqueness about them. And the same thing's true with you and I. We're different. Our personalities are different. The, the abilities God's given us are different. Our experiences are a little bit different. All of that is so that God can work His purpose through us. To reveal God to others and then to serve God and to serve others. Look in First Peter. Did you know that what you are doing, if you're do, if you're following God's purpose, you're in the will of God, that what you're doing tomorrow morning is revealing God to others? Yeah, but pastor, I'm not going to be in church tomorrow. I'm going to be at WRK work. Man, and you just don't know my supervisor. You just, I mean, man, my boss. Man, you just don't know what the environment's like where I'm working. It's Oh, man, it's tough. Uh Yeah, and that's where you're going to reveal God the most. That's where you're going to reveal. That's where God's going to shine through. Amen. Here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, look at what he says. He says, you are a chosen people. Now, we're talking about a life of purpose. You're chosen. Chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
God's special possession. Man, I mean, we could just say amen and go home now. And if you let that soak in on you, you realize, man, that that you are God's creation. You have a special calling and a special purpose. See, we, again, traditional churches said, you know, there's certain people that have a special calling. And they're called pastors or preachers or evangelists or prophet or whatever they may be. No, listen, he said, he's speaking to the whole church here. Peter wrote this to the believers. He said, you're chosen, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're God's special possession. What? Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. As you go about making your widgets tomorrow at the widget factory, or whatever you're doing, you may be a baker. Yeah, you may be in real estate. You may, you may, you know, you may be working for the federal government or the state government, or you may be a stay-at-home mom. Whatever it is that you're doing, he said that in that calling, you are showing forth and to show forth the glories and the praises of God through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. You show forth the beauty of His grace, His peace. His love, His forgiveness, His patience, His prayers, all those things that God is, you're showing them forth on your job. Now see, when we come to church, we all put on our good Christian. Yes, brother. Bless you, brother. Yes. We get all religious. That's just, that's just, if people do, that's just phony. Let's just be real. Isn't that right? Let's be real. Let's, let, Jesus is, is big. He's alive. Let him be big in you. And then he, you go out, and whatever it is that you're, you're called to do, remember that while you're doing that, you're also fulfilling God's purpose because you're revealing him, especially to people that don't know him. Amen? Absolutely. Let's talk about faith works and our purpose. Turn over to Brother James's book there, back to your left there. James. Let's look at him, chapter 2. I want to read a portion of Scripture here, beginning in verse 14. Listen to this. Faith works in our purpose. Faith works in our purpose. How many of you know that faith works? Faith works. Faith don't sit. Faith don't rest. Faith don't sleep. Faith works. Amen. Some people need to understand that. Well, I'm just believing God. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to read here. Brother James says, faith without corresponding action is like the body without a spirit. You ever been to a service where there was a body without a spirit? It's called a funeral, isn't it? You ever notice that, that the one who is dead doesn't participate? Do they? They just lay there, don't they? And see, sometimes with believers, you know, we forget that faith worketh. If you've got faith in your heart concerning God's purpose and plan for your life, listen, you're going to get moving. Sooner or later, you're going to get moving. You can't just sit still. 
You're going to do something that cooperates with the Holy Spirit, that cooperates with God's Word, that cooperates with the faith that God's put in your heart. You're going to get out and begin to do something. Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds or we could say no corresponding action? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food. One of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed. I'll tell you what I'd feel like if I was on the other end of that. You say, oh, pastor. You, 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 need to, you need to get straight. No, I, you need to. <laughs> but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Has God put a dream in your heart? Have you begun to discover something concerning uh, the purpose and plan of God for your life? What are you doing about it? Well, I don't want to do it. Well, you know what? Then you need to get alone in prayer and begin to to talk to God and get some wisdom and then get out and begin to do something. Educate yourself. Develop a skill you might have. Start doing something. I found out this, that, you know, you ever tried to, to steer a part Vehicle. You out there see how hard it is to turn that wheel before the car is cranked, before you put it in gear. No, you need to get moving. Faith will always get you moving somewhere. It'll get you going in a direction. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. Let's say that together. My faith and my actions are working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? And he sums it all up for us. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So here's the thing, personal resources, what do you have? You know, many times I talk to Christians, you know, through the years as a, as a pastor, and as a believer, and they're talking to me, you know, about different things, you know, about, you know, maybe, maybe they, they, there's lack in their life, or maybe they want direction or something like that. And so often, you know, they, they're, they're just saying, Pastor, pray for me. If I just had this, or if God would just provide that, or if I just had this, you know, but that's not the way it, it starts off. God says, look first at your personal inventory. What do you have? What do you have that you, remember we talked about seed? What do you have that you could begin to use as a seed? Maybe it's, a, it's an undeveloped talent. 
Maybe, maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an intelligent and, and mind that you need to, to cultivate in a certain area. Maybe it's a skill that needs to be developed. Whatever it may be, you know, get moving with what you've been given. What have you been given? Well, I haven't been given much. Did you know that out on the west coast, the northwest coast, there are trees out there big enough to put a highway through? 300 feet tall. Wow. Talk about a tree house. And you know what they started out as? Seed I could hold in my hand you could put in your pocket. Oh, God, just give me the redwood. God, I'm believing for a redwood. Well, you know what? Start planting the seed, then start believing for your redwood. Start doing something with what you've been given. What has God given you? Personal resources. Begin to use them. The Bible says we have a power or capacity to do. The, the, when God says that He's made us to rule, that means we've been authorized and given a capacity as people to do something. Are you listening? Don't sit here like the prophecy said, God said in the Word this morning, don't sit there till you die. Get up and begin to do something with what you've been given. And the Bible says this, if we will do something with what we've been giving, God will cause it to be multiplied and He will give us more. But if you just sit there, and do nothing, you know, God's going to multiply your nothing. What's a million times zero? Well, God just multiplied. Don't say it. God's not doing His part. He's doing His part. What are you doing with what you've been given? It's a power or it's a capacity to do. You know, three things that God's made available to every human being. To accomplish the purpose of God. Number one, He's given us the opportunity to know Him. Amen? We've get, he's given us the opportunity to know Him. The Bible says that God was in Christ Jesus providing reconciliation to the whole world. Amen? That means that every person in this whole wide world, their sins have been what? Forgiven. Jesus shed His blood. He paid the price for them. Every person on the planet could be saved, couldn't he? They could come into a right relationship with God. They either, they either have not heard. That's the reason that we support missions all around the world, especially in places who haven't heard. Or they have not chosen to accept what's been offered. But everyone has been given the opportunity to know God, to come into a right relationship with Him. The second thing that we have been given is we have been given an assignment or a purpose. What is your purpose? The reason you're here is to govern. You start with your own life. That's a good starting place. Start with your own household. That's a good starting place, isn't it? Absolutely. Run the devil out of your own life. Run the devil out of your family. Get Start there. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You've given an assignment. And thirdly... You've been given seeds to fulfill your assignment. 
You have abilities. You have talents. You, you have the promises of God. You have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you've got all these things going for you. So you have the opportunity to know God, to have God in your life, to, to find out what His purpose, His assignment for you is. And then you've got the seeds put in you that if you will cultivate and do something, faithful that works is dead, that you will begin to see God's purpose unfold in your life. And that's the place where there's fulfillment. That's the place where you're fruitful. And that's the place where all your needs are met according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, sometimes the reason our needs are not being met is because we're out of alignment with God's purpose. And you know, I'm going to tell you what, as soon as I, I'm talking about chronic, we all have needs that are met, that sometimes things that come up, but I'm talking about when chronically you are in lack, that for me is a time for me to get along with God and get some serious, get, start doing some serious listening and talking to God because something's not right. Because he said the windows would be open. And if the windows are not open, then, you know, it may be that the window is open, but I'm not under the window. Amen. Amen. I want to get under the window that's open. And so as we fulfill God's purpose, we see more and more of the fullness of God's grace as we align with it begins to be released not only upon us, but it's released through us. If I don't have peace of mind, I know right away something's not right. I got it. Wait a minute. Isn't that right? Amen. If there's sickness in my body, then I know right away, what, you know, there's, there's an attack there, either from natural causes or, or from the enemy, but I know right away, you know, that's, that's something I want to get aligned, don't you? Man, I've been attacked in my body, have you? I've been attacked in my finances, have you? I've been attacked with my peace, have you? All of these areas, but I'm saying, don't just sit there, don't just stay there. That tells me, you know, that's not God's purpose for me. God's purpose is that, that I might rule and govern in my life and in my family. And I align with God's word, God's promises, God's purpose for my life. All right. Adding value. Got to close up here. Adding value. Sowing seeds. Sowing seeds is the way I add value to other people's lives into my life. You know, uh, I, I've shared this example with you before. I remember when I was on the mission field in Bolivia, I had a brother there that owned a gold mine. You know, and immediately everybody, ching, yeah, gold mine. So, you know, he wanted me to pray over his gold mine. So I said, boy, yeah. You know, pray over a gold mine. That sounds, that sounds all right. So we get this little Russian made vehicle. And man, we're all, we start out, we're almost 12,000 feet already. Just, that's just where we lived, in altitude. And he started going up the mountain. Man, going up the mountain, going up the mountain. We're going around all these roads up on the mountain. We're up 14,000 feet, 13,000 feet, you know, and you're looking down. And, you know, it ain't nothing but straight down. <laughs> Forget shoulder. Only shoulder was the ones in the car. Didn't have none of that. I mean, man, you know, you get to thinking, I don't know if this was a good idea or not about praying over this. And you get on, we got up close to 15,000 feet. I mean, there wasn't anything, anybody around. 
I mean, we're up, there's snow up there, not a footprint, not a track anywhere till we got out of the vehicle. But see, I'm going to pray over this gold mine, you know, ching, gold mine. Some of y'all might have been praying for God to give you a gold mine. I'm going to enlighten you. <laughs> so we go and, you know, and we, there's this big opening, and so we, we go into this opening, you know, kind of like going into a, a, a cave, but bigger, you know, opening and everything. We walk in there, and it, he shines his flashlight right up on the roof, and, and right through there, you know, I see, he says, now here's the vein, and he showed me, running, it was about this wide, and it had uh, copper, it had zinc, it had other minerals, and right somewhere in the middle was a small vein of gold. I'm like, I thought this was just going to, you know, gold, man. And he's wanting me to pray. Why? Because he needed investment. He needed equipment to be able to separate that precious metal from all of that other stuff. And listen, he was going to have to get it all the way up to where that mine was. Do you want to go, man? Here's the thing I'm saying. God's put a gold mine in you. He really has. But you know, the problem is, is we've got some zinc and some iron ore and some of that other stuff that's got to be separated. <laughs> Isn't that right? And that's part of what, as we are pursuing our purpose, that's really what's happening. God is separating that other stuff from us and that gold and precious metals can come forth. That's our purpose. That's, our, that's where we begin to reveal God in our life. That's where we begin to add value. We see the value added. But it's going to take some good old W-O-R-K along with our F-A-I-T-H. So as we sow our seeds, we're adding value to the kingdom. We're adding value to other people's lives. And we also are adding value to our own life and purpose. And he said, that's how we show forth this wonderful salvation that we're enjoying, this wonderful relationship that we have now. We are God's chosen people. You're chosen to govern. You're, you're chosen to rule. You're made in God's image. You're, you're born again. You're, you've come back into a right relationship with God. And he said, now you have purpose. Man, you get up in the morning. See, if you get up in the morning and you go by your feelings, you go, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> All right, let me give you some action steps. We got to pray. <clears throat> Did you know? I'm going to ask you a question here. Do you know? I mean, really know. Not just because I said it today, but do you know that you are significant? Little old you. Little old imperfect you. You are significant. Why are you significant? Why are you? I told you earlier. You already forgot. Why are you significant? Created by God. And? You're created to what? To govern and rule. You're created in God's image. You're created by God. That makes you significant, doesn't it? Amen. Did you know that? <clears throat> there's a difference in the cost of a Lamborghini and a Volkswagen. 
But I'm telling you what, put them side by side and look at the workmanship. Man, we live down in South Florida. Man, I mean, you, they were everywhere. Maseratis, Lamborghinis, all of them. Man, you, you'd look in there, and man, you'd see that leather. And that, that stitching and air. I mean, everything's meticulous, meticulous, meticulous. Amen? Listen, God, you are significant. God has made you. He's the creator. Awesome. As awesome as that car is, it can't compare to you. Wow, God's made you. You are significant. Man, you need to get up. Maybe you need to write this and put this on the mirror when you're putting on your makeup or you're shaving or something. I'm significant. Put, put a scripture up there. Remind yourself. Because I'm going to tell you what, the world and the devil is going to tell you you're not. Where are you looking for your purpose? Boy, I'll tell you what, when I get this house paid off, yeah. Man, when I get this, finally get this business up and we're turning a profit, that's, you know, what is your purpose? Where are you looking for your purpose? Mm. Off quiet here, I suppose you're thinking. And then lastly, how are you pursuing your purpose? Are you pursuing your purpose? Are you waiting for God to just drop your purpose on you? Here I am, God. You know, I see people all the time just waiting on God. Well, why are you, what are you waiting on God for? He's way ahead of you. He's waiting on you. You, you mean you're ahead of God? <laughs> Most of the time, that's not the case, is it? Most of the time, you know, God's trying to get us to listen so that we can get off the mark and get moving. You know, here's the thing. We talked about, you know, a car's easier to steer when it's moving. So are you. When you get busy and get moving, that just gets it a lot easier for God by the Holy Spirit to lead you. And to direct you and guide you. And you say, okay, now, let's, you know, you go off a little bit, but let's get over here. But you know what? You get back over here, you're further down the road than you were if you're sitting there waiting until you get everything just right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting on God to open every door. Well, what if the door's down there and you're here? Start moving toward where the door is, even though it might look closed. You start moving toward the door. By the time you get to the door, that's when God opens it. Or he'll tell you, not that door, this door, and he opened that one. What is your, what are you doing? God's made us for purpose. We're talking about living the good life. <clears throat> the good life means there's fulfillment. Because what? Not only do we know God and belong to God, that's absolutely the foundation, but also because we have a purpose. You know, maybe, maybe this week, take some inventory and look at your life and say, okay, am I ruling and reign? Am I, am I governing my own life? What is God's purpose? What is, write it out. If you can't write it out, then you don't know what it is yet. Amen? Sure, write it out. It'll help you. It'll help you to formulate. Say, okay, this is it. This is right. And if you don't know it perfectly, write out what you do know. Man, I got stuff, uh, man, on my computer. I got, man, I got, uh, I got, I got prophecies. I got uh, things God spoke to me in prayer. I got impressions that God gave me in my spirit. I got, I got some that are 30-something years old and some are as fresh as yesterday. 
And all of them, I believe, have to do with what? My purpose. They direct my energy. They direct my resources. They direct my praying. Paul said, he said, I, I, he said, I don't run like somebody running and, you know, they don't know where the finish line is. You ever seen an Olympic race? Man, there's a starting block. There's a finish line. Isn't that right? You know, wouldn't you think it's strange if they start, fired that pistol to start the race? Six ran toward the finish line and one took off and ran backwards. Boy, you'd think, Paul said, actually, you'd be disqualified, wouldn't he? Because he's not running the race God has set for him. It all begins, though, with what? Having a relationship with God. You can't earn it. You can't work toward it. You can't do anything without that relationship with God except this. Make a decision to believe on Jesus that He is the Son of God, that He came, He lived as a man, a God-man. He ate, He slept, He cried, He got tired. The Bible says, tempted in all ways just like us, yet without sin. He was the God-man. And then... After living that perfect life, he gave his life at a place called Calvary on a, a cross. Just like, except much bigger. <laughs> a cross. He laid down his life. The Bible says that the blood poured from his hands, his head, his feet, and then from his side. And the Bible says, by the shedding of his blood, remission of sins was made available for everyone. For all of us who didn't deserve it. Boy, I know I didn't. God didn't get any bargain when he got me. Maybe he did with you. I don't know. Probably not. But you know what? Every one of us, we come the same way. Isn't that right? We come by putting our faith in what Jesus did. We put our faith in the shed blood of Jesus. That by putting our faith in him, God says that he will come into our life forgive our sins, and make us brand new on the inside. And that is when we begin to realize our significance and our purpose is because we know we're loved by God and we're redeemed. So this morning, if you've never done that, I'm going to ask you, if you will, everybody here, just for a moment, bow your head. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, come into your heart, to forgive you of your sins and to save you. If you've never done that, I want to pray for you this morning and I want to encourage you. Listen, don't leave here today without being right with God. The Bible says that it is by His grace that the free gift of salvation is offered and we receive it by faith, believing on Him and then confessing our faith in Him by what? By our praying and asking Him to come into our life. So if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you. To, you're not going to have to come up here. You're not going to have to say anything. But I don't want you to leave today without you knowing that you know that you know that you are forgiven, that you are saved. If there's anyone here, if you'll just lift your hand just so I know, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to give you a moment. Every head's bowed. I'm looking around the room. I don't see any hands.
No hands, no hands. Father, I pray for your people here. Lord, everyone's saying that they're in a right relationship with you, Father. They're, they're saying that they're, they're your children. So I pray that, Father, that they will remember and understand that they are significant. That they are bought with a price. And that you've made them in your image. You've called them to yourself. That they might show forth your glory and your praises. They may show forth the living Christ in their lives. And also, Father, that purpose that aligns with the seeds you've put in their life. God, help them to discover it. Those that are pursuing it, may they be encouraged in their pursuit. May they be encouraged in their walk of faith, running hard after their purpose. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.